At General Motors, we make more than electric vehicles. We're helping to make the world a safer, more inclusive place for all. As the first automaker to support the Equality Act, General Motors celebrates and embraces diversity every day, especially during Pride Month. Which is why we're proud to team up with iHeartRadio to support Can't Cancel Pride and the LGBTQ community. Because everybody in means everybody. Learn more at GM.com. Welcome to the Sports Angle, live in Las Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world. I'm your host, Brock Over Kelly. Let's get into it. Go to our website, thesportsangle.com. We published an article yesterday about the Las Vegas Aviators game against the Salt Lake Bees. Check out that article on thesportsangle.com, as well as our audio, video, live streams, you name it, we have it on the Sports Angle. As well, go to all our social medias at the Sports Angle. Follow, like, share. We appreciate all the support. MLB Twitter. Now, I understand that fans are going to be fans. I understand that there's going to be subcategories of fans on social media. All right, you have Facebook groups, you have Facebook pages. You have YouTube channels, you have Instagram accounts, you have Twitter accounts, you even have, you know, on Twitter, you have hashtags, you have all of these communities in Twitter, just like Reddit, you have subreddits, you have all of these different categories on social media. And I love it. I love that social media has allowed fans of baseball, they've allowed fans of basketball, They've allowed fans of football, of hockey, of auto racing. They allow them to have discussions. They allow them to have conversations about sports they love. What I've always had a problem with, however, is when there is something universally hated, it seems like Twitter will be that one website that you can't get everybody to agree on something on Facebook groups. If you're not in said Facebook group, you can at least ignore it. If you're um, on Instagram, if you don't want to see all the stuff going on on Instagram, well, you just don't follow the account. You just don't follow, you know, all of this, all the stuff on Instagram and you move on. If you don't have Reddit, Well, you're not going to see all the stuff on the subreddit. The problem with Twitter, and I've always had this issue, and this is why I'm bringing it up now, is MLB Twitter, is that what it's called, it seems like it doesn't matter how hard you try to avoid something. If it is big news in MLB, if it is breaking news, top of the line, you know, headline news in Major League Baseball, It will find a way to get on your timeline. If you are a fan of the Chicago Cubs, you'll somehow get news about the St. Louis Cardinals on your timeline. If you're a fan of the Milwaukee Brewers, you'll somehow find the Chicago White Sox being on your timeline. There's all these different MLB teams that come on. And I've always wondered with MLB Twitter, I've always wondered... Is there a way that you could eventually get to an idea where you are not seeing every single team and every single team's comments on Twitter? So it got me thinking. And and when obviously when I start thinking, this is what the sports angle is all about. I started wondering, is there a way that Twitter could be similar to what Facebook is. Could there be a situation where you have MLB Twitter and you're able to categorize it and you're able to put it in ca- in separate uh, files, put it in separate areas and de- separate situations? 
So here's my idea to start out the show. For MLB Twitter, this is just my idea. You can take it. You can run with it. I'm fi- That's perfectly fine. What if for Twitter, if MLB, if you're a fan of, let's say, the Arizona Diamondbacks, let's say you're out there in Phoenix, what if you had to follow a certain category of a team? What if on Twitter they allowed you to hit a certain category and you followed it, you clicked it, you added it to your situation, and you became part of that uh, team? Similar to how with Facebook, you click on all these groups and you join that group and you get all their timeline. What if they did something similar with uh, Twitter? I just think it's a good idea. So really to start out the show, I was just looking at MLB Twitter earlier, and I'm not a fan of certain teams, but yet they were just filling up and filling up my timeline. And I was just wondering if there's a way that you could take a topic and add it to your timeline on Twitter and allow that to be part of your profile. It's just something that was on my mind. But getting into the actual news of MLB, because MLB Twitter actually had a huge part of this upcoming topic. Now, for the people who don't know, MLB and New Era, they came up with this idea. They came up with this idea for a new area of caps. New Era had announced that MLB and New Era was going to reveal these new kind of hats, these new kind of, you know, situations that people could use with MLB. And MLB Twitter panned it. MLB Twitter absolutely hated these new caps. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say that they might have been some of the worst hats ever I have seen in MLB. The design of it, the way it looked, it didn't even look right. So really to counteract this and to really focus on something that we really need to discuss. For the first time in a long time. I just wonder if when it comes to MLB, did New Era miss on these new caps? Did MLB and New Era not really focus on what they needed to do? Because this has been the first time in a long time that that something has been universally hated by absolutely everybody. Okay? It was their local market cap. And honestly... It was going to have the area code. It was going to have, you know, stuff that was interactive with the said state. It was said city. So I'm bringing this up because very simple. I am happy that MLB listened to the fans. My angle is that I am happy that Major League Baseball and New Era was forced to listen to the fan base because the fans universally hated these local market caps that they revealed and i'm glad that they were forced to change it now getting into the standings of major league baseball getting into what's going on in mlb right now the chicago white Sox have lost five of the last 10 and i'm not gonna sit here and say that i didn't see this coming but the chicago white Sox are slowly losing their grip in the AL Central. Cleveland Indians have won two in a row. The Kansas City Royals have won seven of the last 10. These two teams are slowly and slowly gaining on Chicago. Also, let's remember that the Chicago White Sox at one point were the best team in baseball, and now they seem like they can barely pick up wins on a consistent basis. Now, am I going to do what everybody else has done and blame Tony LaRusa? Yeah, I probably could. But I think it's a lot deeper than that. The bats are not showing up as they did earlier in the month. The pitching is starting to decline. When it comes to Chicago, when it comes to the White Sox organization, I just wonder if the dysfunction started because of Tony LaRusa or Has there been something that was planted that has set this off? Has there been something that was already done prior that is causing this 
to happen. Because the Chicago White Sox losing five of their last 10 has allowed Cleveland and has allowed Kansas City to gain on them. Now, do I love the parody that I'm seeing? Absolutely. I believe that this is great for Major League Baseball. I like that the AL Central is not a runaway train like it normally is. The AL Central has some form of competition, some challenge in MLB. So you have the AL Central right there. As we're talking about Major League Baseball here on the Sports Angle. So then when you transition from the Central here and you go up to the AL East, this might be the toughest division in all of baseball. The Tampa Bay Rays have won nine of their last 10 games, and they are 10 games above 500. They should be dominating their division. But then you look over your shoulder, and the Boston Red Sox are a half game behind the Tampa Bay Rays. You even look more against your shoulder, and there's the New York Yankees, only one game behind the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, it's like that scene where there's a guy on the bus and he's just chilling. He has his lunch pail in front of him. You see, you know, a kid poking him with a stick behind him. That's the Boston Red Sox. And then the guy who's poking him with a stick is getting poked by somebody else with a stick. And that is the Yankees. Like, that's really what the AL East is. They're just a bunch of people poking each other with a stick while they're sitting on a bus. Now, where that bus is going to lead We all know where it is. That bus is going to lead to October. That bus is going to lead to the World Series. That bus is on destination to get to the greatest prize in baseball. And what's going to happen is the bus driver is going to open up that bus and the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Rays are all going to run Mad Hatter style towards 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 the door. They're going to run and try to get to that bus door first. They're going to knock each other over. There's going to be some elbows. Someone's going to get pushed way too hard and scrape their knee. Like that is really what the AL East is going to be. It is going to be a rough, tough battle for the AL East. And I love it. You also compare the AL West. And the AL West is really strange. Because the Houston Astros have lost four games in a row. And you expect Houston that they would be out of contention. With them losing four in a row and losing five of their last ten, you would not be surprised if I said that the Houston Astros were falling and falling with the Oakland Athletics. But that's not what's happening. The Oakland Athletics are only a game and a half ahead of Houston. Why? Because they have lost five of their last ten. So the story I really want to picture, you know, the, sto- the, p- the picture I want to paint for you is the Chicago White Sox are falling and Kansas City is picking up the pieces. But the AL West, nobody's picking up the pieces. The Athletics have lost five of the last 10 and Houston has lost four straight. The Seattle Mariners have lost seven of their last 10. They're not capitalizing on it either. The Los Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim have lost five of their last 10. And the Texas Rangers, they are seven and a half back, and they have lost six of 10. So there's really nobody winning on a consistent basis in the AL West. No one's taking advantage of Oakland and Houston uh, falling apart. No one's taking advantage of those two teams not getting the job done. You transition over to the National League, and what do you see? You see an NL Central that feels like old times. The NL Central feels like a family reunion. The NL Central feels like, you know, you got the Cardinals with that potato salad. You got the Cubs with the bratwurst. You got the Brewers with the apple pie. Like, it feels like the NL Central hasn't changed over the last five years. The Cardinals are towards the top of the division. They're five games above 500. You got the Cubs right behind them. They've won seven of their last 10. They're one game behind the Cubs. You know, Cardinals, Cubs, 
one game difference between the two. And then you have the Milwaukee Brewers two and a half games back. And they are sitting there going, hey, hi, we're still here as well. Like it feels like the same story, the same song and dance every single year. The Cardinals, the Cubs, and the Brewers have been part of that NL Central battle for the last four years. Ever since 2017, those teams have been battling in that NL Central. And as someone who's a Cubs fan, it is great to see. I understand that there's people who are going to call me a hypocrite for saying that I love that the Cubs are winning. There are going to be people out there who are going to say, didn't you say the Cubs were going to finish fourth in the Central? Yes, I did. You also have to remember that I am a Chicago Cubs fan. You also have to remember that it is only 50 games in. Believe me, there is a good amount of time for the Cubs for the wheels just to fall off and they lose like 15 out of 18. Okay? There is time for it to eventually implode. But as a Cubs fan, I love that they're in second place. As a Cubs fan, I like the battle that's going on with St. Louis and Milwaukee. It feels like old times. It feels like a high school reunion. All right, you go back to your high school reunion, you see some similar faces, and there's going to be that group that hasn't changed at all. And that's what the Cardinals, Cubs, and Brewers feel like in the NL Central. Moving over to the NL East, we're talking about Major League Baseball here, here on the Sports Angle. The New York Mets are only two games above 500. The New York Mets are a strange team because on paper, the New York Mets should be among the best teams in Major League Baseball. On paper, the New York Mets should be running away with this division, but they're not. This team should be dominating their opponents. They're not doing that at all. The NL East seems like the NFC East in the NFL. You have a team that's barely above 500 winning the division. You have the Atlanta Braves who are exactly at 500 and they are one game back from the New York Mets. I mean, the Atlanta Braves have won four games in a row and are trying to be over 500 for the first time this season. Shout out to Marie Samuels if you're watching, by the way. Your Atlanta Braves winning four in a row is solid, but we need them to build more of a momentum with that pitching. The Philadelphia Phillies, who everyone who watches the show knows, I have a soft spot for. One and a half games back, they've lost seven of their last 10. It has been a really tough situation in Philly. And I hope they could turn it around because would I like to see the Philadelphia Phillies be in the playoffs? Yes, I would. I would like to see the Philadelphia Phillies get a shot at the World Series. But this season, I feel the NL East is going to be that division where only one team gets in, and that is going to be whoever finishes first in the division. Miami, two games back. The Nationals are a trio back from the New York Mets. This division is going to be close. And then the NL West is confusing. The NL West is some of the most competitive uh, games I have ever seen. The San Diego Padres have the best record in baseball. They've won nine of their last 10 games. They are 15 games above 500. That should be great, isn't it? Shouldn't that be an amazing story for Major League Baseball? The San Diego Padres had the best record in MLB. Well, they should be running away with their division. I mean, they should be getting in their supercar and driving 150 miles an hour on the freeway. That is how much of a runaway that should be on paper, right? Well, unfortunately, they'll look behind them and they'll see the Dodgers driving in a Lamborghini going 149 miles an hour while they are in their, uh, while they're, while they're there in their Porsche going 150 miles an hour. I mean, the Los Angeles Dodgers have won eight games in a row and are a half of a game back from the San Diego Padres. 
This is one of the most competitive battles I have seen in 15 years. Really, the NL West has been known when the Giants were beating it, when the Dodgers were leading it. This division has been known for when one team starts getting ahead, they go into fifth gear and they drive away. But the Padres and the Dodgers and heck, even the Giants, like using that analogy, if the Padres are going 150 miles an hour in that Porsche, if the Dodgers are going 149 miles an hour driving in that Lamborghini, the Giants are going 145 miles an hour driving in that Ashton Martin. Like, it's a very close battle. The Rockies and the Diamondbacks, on the other hand, they are the ones going, the, going 65 miles an hour, driving the speed limit, and, you know, a used Honda Accord. I mean, that's really what the Rockies and the Diamondbacks are doing. Right now, they're going 65 miles an hour, driving a minivan, while you're seeing these three teams, boom, 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 going right past them in their supercars. So understand that the NL West is ultra competitive, but the Rockies and Diamondbacks are doing absolutely nothing of note. In fact, the Diamondbacks have lost nine games in a row. I mean, the Diamondbacks are worse than the Rockies. I can't believe I'm saying that. So really to recap this idea, to really recap the standings in MLB, the NL East, one team's going to win it and they're going to make the playoffs. The NL West, there's a possibility that both teams in the NL West who don't win a division will make the playoffs. There's a possibility that you have a 50-50 shot that one of the that one of the NL West teams are going to win the World Series. You have an idea that the NL the NL uh, conference will be ran through the NL West. And with the AL, it's very, very, very confusing because it doesn't seem like there's any top-heavy team in the AL. AL. You have the AL East, which is kind of the counterpart version of the NL West, but you have the AL Central, you have the AL West. They can get hot at any moment. So my angle is I'm still going to stick with the Mets and I'm still going to stick with the Yankees. But watch out for the NL West and watch out for the AL East because you have six of the 10 teams that are going to make the playoffs that might be from those two divisions alone. Watch out for that. So we're going to go to break here on the Sports Angle. I'm your host, Rocco Kelly, And when we come back, we are going to go down to Georgia And I really want to get more into detail about the Atlanta Braves organization. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on the Sports Angle. Don't go anywhere. Anywhere we'll be right back. You're all
Welcome back to the Sports Angle live in Las Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world. I'm your host, Rocco Raquelli. Let's get back into it. Major League Baseball, there has been teams that are average. There are teams that the fan base will overhype them and overvalue them despite the fact that they are an average team at best. And there is a team that statistically on paper, statistically on the field, and even in the standings has been an average team. And no, I'm not talking about the Kansas City Royals. No, I'm not talking about the Milwaukee Brewers. Even though Kansas City is very close to what this topic is, I'm talking about the 500 record Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves are an interesting case because the Atlanta Braves on paper are average. Their bullpen is below average. Their starting pitching is below average. Their starting lineup is above average. So really when you do the math and you have the fact that their manager is really a good manager in Major League Baseball, a top 10 manager in Major League Baseball, When you add all of that up and you do a uh, plus, plus, minus, minus, they cancel each other out, and that becomes an equal. That is a 500. That is an average team. Now, the Atlanta Braves, my, my advice for them, heading into June, heading into July, is that the Atlanta Braves organization needs to hold on. The Atlanta Braves organization needs to just continue being a 500 team as the summer months go on. Here's the reason I'm saying this. The Atlanta Braves have been known for the last five years to buy, buy, and buy at the trade deadline. People understand that the Atlanta Braves could be buying in at the trade deadline to acquire somebody of value at the end of the day. There is this idea, there's this belief that the Atlanta Braves are going to go get starting pitching at the trade deadline to help them get in the postseason. And even though that would be great, even though that would be cool, I think what the Atlanta Braves really need to focus on is the injury bug. Marcelo Zuna, who is a top 50 player in Major League Baseball, he is out for six weeks because of injuries he sustained to his hands. Understand that the Atlanta Braves lost a guy who is very valuable to their starting lineup. Let's also remember that Ronald Acuna Jr. has missed games due to injuries. The Atlanta Braves have had to deal with starting pitchers being injured, guys in their bullpen being injured. And yes, I like Pablo Sandoval. Yes, I like Ronald Acuna Jr. for having their bats be the main vocal point in Atlanta. Yes, I appreciate the fact that they are trying to get the situation turned around. I understand that there are going to be people out there in Atlanta that are going to sit there, be patient, and they are going to try to get everything they can out of this season. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. If your loved one is at risk of a fall, the Symphony Medical Alert System from CVS Health can help support their safety in their home with 24-7 emergency monitoring, even when you can't be there. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more about Symphony at cvs.com slash symphony or find it at your nearest CVS Health Hub. But I have to ask the logical question. All right, you're going to start your upcoming series with the Mets, and then you're going to have your series with the Nationals. So you're going to have seven games to try to turn this season around and be towards the top of the standings by the end of May. All right, as you're heading into early June, your goal, your expectations for the fan base is to be the top dog, be the head of the table in the NL East. But I have to ask 
is this Atlanta Braves team longevity wise? Are they built for the endurance race? Is the Atlanta Braves ready to do that marathon or are they here for a five mile sprint? For the people who know about running, are the Atlanta Braves in this for a simple five mile 5K or are they in it for the marathon? Are they in it for the 26.1 mile marathon or are they in it for a five mile walk? The Atlanta Braves, they feel and they seem like on paper that they are just in it for a 5K walk. There are teams like the New York Mets that seem like they are ready and they have been preparing mentally, physically for that 26-mile marathon. All right, there are some teams in Major League Baseball that get it. They understand that this season is not just the 60 games they had last year. I'll give you the perfect example. I will give you a perfect example of a team that understands that philosophy. I mean, we go over to the AL East. The New York Yankees have understood that. The New York Yankees, yes, they have won series again and again and again, but that is a 26-mile marathon. And when you win um, three out of four, when you win two out of three, when you are picking up victories in series, when you are beating teams on a consistent basis, that is the definition of a marathon. What the Atlanta Braves are doing in the month of May is they're beating teams. They're going four in a row, five in a row. They're winning seven of 10. They're winning eight of 10. That is a 5K run. You're building up momentum in short spurts. But once you get to that hill, once you're doing that uphill climb, you're going to start to feel all that pressure. You're going to start to feel you know, yourself getting winded. That is what I believe the Atlanta Braves are having to deal with is I don't know if they are ready for that long marathon. I believe, and my angle, is that the Atlanta Braves organization, they're eventually going to be those people with their hands on their knees. You know, they're going to be the ones bent over, you know, gasping for air. You know, maybe if they have, you know, asthma, they're going to be the ones, you know, doing this, you know, taking out their inhaler and going, <gasps> you know, that's what, you know, they're going to be doing because they were not ready for a 26-mile marathon. They were just ready for a 5K run. And that's really what I believe the Atlanta Braves have really primed themselves for. I just don't know if they're ready to do what the New York Mets have done, which is space themselves out. I don't know if the Atlanta Braves are capable of having what the Yankees are doing, which is picking up wins consistently ever since April. All right, the last two months, the New York Yankees, they're not dominating and sweeping people. What they're doing is they're winning series again and again and again. And that's what you need during a 162-game season. So that's my angle about the Atlanta Braves. That is what I believe about Atlanta. And if you agree or disagree, go into the chat down below. Go into the comments on Twitter. Use the hashtag the sports angle, and you let me know. Because that is my belief. They are a 5K run. They're not a 26.1-mile marathon. That is not what the Braves are this year. So as we transition from Atlanta how about we go over to St. Louis real quick? Because the St. Louis Cardinals, there's been some controversy surrounding them. There has been some backlash to the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, the St. Louis Cardinals just wrapped up their series with the Chicago White Sox. For anybody who needs to know, the Chicago White Sox manager, Tony LaRussa, he was the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals when they won the World Series in 2011. There was all of this idea that when it came to Tony La Russa, when it came to the Chicago White Sox, they, um, they might struggle going up against their former team. But there was actually something that was interesting 
that happened in the game recently. There is something that happened that I actually kind of picked up on immediately, and I'm surprised not many people are talking about it. Now, in a recent game against the White Sox and the Cardinals, Cardinals manager Mike Schilt, he's been trying to keep his cool all season. He's been trying to, you know, be calm. He's been trying to be patient. However, he he vented his frustrations in a recent game against the Chicago White Sox, and he let the entire baseball world know about his problems. Okay? Now, what happened was in the seventh inning of the Cardinals shutting out the White Sox. Now, MLB crew chief Joe West, hey, here's Joe West for all baseball fans, he walked to the mound and asked Cardinals relief pitcher Giovanni Galgos to remove his cap. Now, there were some people who were confused. There were some people that were wondering what's going on. And Mike Schilt, who got ejected for this, said on the mic, this is baseball's little dirty secret. And it's the wrong time to expose it. So what happened in this game? What was going on? The true chief, Joe West, determined that Galagos had put sunscreen on his cap. All right? Sunscreen. I just want people to picture this real quick. There was no foreign substance. There was no, you know, there was no gel. There was no, you know, pine tar. There was none of that on his cap. It was sunscreen. And Joe West had to tell Schilt that it was sunscreen on it was on his cap. And Mike Schilt went ballistic. It was like, it felt like a setup. I mean, it came out of nowhere. And if you watch back the video, he raced to the mound and cursed out Joe West and argued for him for it felt like 20 minutes, saying that it was hypocritical for Joe West to check out his pitcher for this when I guarantee the other team is doing the exact same thing. Also, he pointed out that pitchers were blatantly using foreign substances with the Chicago White Sox organization. Like, he even pointed over there and said, why aren't you checking them and you're only checking us? And I wanted to talk about this because I agree 100%. I agree that Mike Schilt was completely honest and brutal with Joe West. Why did you single out my guy for having sunscreen on his cap? It wasn't a foreign substance. It wasn't any of those gel that pitchers put on their neck. You know, it's none of that stuff that you can put inside the, that, you know, put inside your, your glove. It wasn't any of that. It was sunscreen. And I just wonder if Joe West had purposely targeted the St. Louis Cardinals. I wonder if MLB had purposely called out St. Louis because of the fact that St. Louis has had problems with Major League Baseball in the past. In fact, Mike Schilt went on to say in a statement, and I quote, Major League Baseball has a very, very, very tough position here. There are people effectively and not even trying to hide the fact that they're cheating in this game with concealed substances. There are players who've been monetized for it. There have been players obviously doing it to their glove. There's clear video of it. There are pitchers who are doing it because uh, who are doing it because they don't want to uh, look like a chump. Understand that what Mike Schilt said isn't just accurate, but it is correct. I mean, Mike Schilt really called out the fact that when it comes to Major League Baseball, they called out the St. Louis Cardinals, even though there's been plenty of teams that have done it in the past. So I want to ask all of you, do you believe that Major League Baseball called out the Cardinals to prove a point? Do you think that they use them as the scapegoat for what happened in uh, Major League Baseball this season? Do you think that they had intentionally made sure that Giovanni Galgos 
was the person that they said, oh, you got sunscreen on your cap. You have a foreign substance on your cap. We are going to remove your cap in the middle of the game and force you to wear a new one. It was ridiculous. It was idiotic. It was really asinine. The fact that MLB used that situation to call out a situ- call out a situation that most people didn't even pick up on. Like, I guarantee you, if you went to any non-baseball fan and you played that clip, they wouldn't have had any idea what was going on. You know, they wouldn't have been there and been like, oh, yeah, there's sunscreen on that cap right there. Yeah, they must be cheating. It's just, it's ridiculous. So my angle is that the White Sox, they definitely were doing it as well. The White Sox organization, they cheat just like everybody else. I mean, Major League Baseball is known for their cheating. I mean, it's been 150 years. They, I mean, cheating's part of their DNA. So I understand that there are people in St. Louis who are upset, and I agree with you. You should be upset because Major League Baseball used you as a scapegoat, and I believe that was a very, very wrong move to make. We are going to go to break here on Sports Angle, and when we come back, we are going to get into our racing report and talk about the biggest topics in IndyCar, Formula One, and NASCAR. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this here on Sports Angle. Welcome back to the Sports Angle, live in Las Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world. I'm your host, Rocco Kelly. Let's get back into it. 
Go to our website, thesportsangle.com. Check out all the content we have on there. We wrote an article recently about the Las Vegas Aviators game against the Salt Lake Bees from earlier this week. So go check out that article. Now, our racing report, we haven't done this in a while. In fact, the last time we did it was a couple of weeks ago. We went, went into you know the NASCAR side of it, and it was fun. It was fun. But I really want to focus on something that has bothered me. I really want to talk about something that I really need to vent. Something I really need to tell all of you about. Now, for people who don't understand the terminology, for people who don't understand the lingo, I'm going to try to break it down. I'm going to try to simplify it. NASCAR last weekend, for the first time ever, raced at Circuit of the Americas. Now, Circuit of the Americas is a road course in Austin, Texas. Circuit of the Americas had been used for Formula One. In fact, Formula One has been using Circuit of the Americas for their United States Grand Prix since 2012. It is a great track, and I love Circuit of the Americas when they are driving in October in Formula One. It's always a fun track to watch. NASCAR decided to host Circuit of the Americas in May. They decided that they were going to host Circuit of the Americas in May when Texas has been known for its unusual conditions in those months. For the people who have lived in Texas, for the people who have visited Texas, for the people who even have any idea about the climate uh, in Texas, you will know that it's very unpredictable. You will know that it doesn't matter if it's baseball, if it's football, if it's basketball, it doesn't matter what the sport is. If you're playing in an outdoor uh, arena, Texas has a very unfortunate situation where their weather can one day wake up and be, you know, very, very humid. You know, it could be very hot. You know, it could be in that kind of situation where Texas will just wake up and you're just sitting there, you know, you're drenching yourself with water bottles trying to cool yourself off. And then there'll be some days where you wake up and it is soaking in rain and you are just grabbing your umbrella and trying to get to the car as fast as humanly possible. Well, what happened last weekend is NASCAR decided to run Circuit of the Americas in the rain. And I'm going to give a disclaimer. NASCAR does have rain tires. NASCAR has had rain tires ever since 1996 when they went to Japan and they ran those rain tires for really the first time in NASCAR history. NASCAR normally uses these rain tires in specialized events. They used it in Montreal in 2008. They've used it at Watkins Glen in 2016. They've used it at tracks like Mid-Ohio in 2015. Like, there's been special events where NASCARs use rain tires. They even used rain tires last year at Daytona. The problem with NASCAR, and the reason why I'm going to say that Circuit of the Americas was a massive failure, is it was drenching in rain. All right, it was not a sprinkle. It wasn't, you know, a light little rain. No, it was pouring down on Sunday afternoon in Austin, Texas. And if NASCAR had the rain tires that Formula One has, it wouldn't be a problem. All right, Formula One has ran in the rain multiple times a year. All right, Formula One has rain tires that they have properly developed over the span of time. I mean, Formula One has been around for 90 years. Formula One knows how to develop their rain tires. They've done it properly for a long time. The problem with NASCAR is because of how limited the amount of times they've ran in the rain. Because of the fact that NASCAR prefers to not run in the rain, their rain tires are not as properly developed as Formula One is. 
Formula One has spent, like I said, all this time and research and money to develop these rain tires to the right specs. NASCAR hasn't. NASCAR, in that race at Circuit of the Americas, showed the flaw in their rain tires. You had drivers completely going off track. You had drivers completely messing up and taking somebody else out. There was that violent wreck with Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Custer. It was a very bad situation that happened on Sunday. And the reason why I'm venting about this is because it could have been avoided if NASCAR had spent the proper time and research and development to get these rain tires to the proper specs. If NASCAR had spent the proper R&D to get these rain tires to where they needed to be, that race probably could have ended at the proper length. You know, it could have ended at the televised distance. The problem is that you had so many drivers messing up in corners. You had so many drivers having collisions and accidents and crashes. They had to halt the race after 54 laps. And guys like Chase Elliott ended up winning the race by default. So my angle is if NASCAR wants to run rain tires again, and they're going to, NASCAR is going to try this again. I recommend that NASCAR properly develops these rain tires this time. I recommend that NASCAR actually takes the time and research to find the grip and find the traction that these rain tires need to be in the rain. Because these tires said that they were rain tires, but you wouldn't have known it by all the drivers that had no traction going into a corner. I mean, there were so many drivers that were, you know, tail spinning and, you know, pretty much getting, you know, logged heading into the, heading into the uh, chicane that it just, it was a huge embarrassment for NASCAR. And you had NASCAR drivers calling out NASCAR for this. You had Formula One fans making fun of NASCAR for this. You had people like me that were face palming going, how'd you let this happen? So that is really my angle at the end of the day is NASCAR needs to really take the time to develop these tires because they have not done enough to get it done. Now, NASCAR will be at Charlotte Motor Speedway for the Coca-Cola 600, one of the most prestigious races in all of NASCAR. Understand that NASCAR and the Coca-Cola 600 is one of the four premier races in NASCAR. The four premier races is the Daytona 500, the Southern 500, the Alabama 500, or known as the Talladega 500, and the Coca-Cola 600. That are the four premier races, the crown jewel of NASCAR. So what do the odds tell us about this race? What do the odds tell you about the situation in Charlotte this upcoming Sunday? Well, here is the odds brought to you by DraftKings. So in the upcoming situation, here are the betting odds brought to you, like I said, by DraftKings. So the odds on favorite to win the Coca-Cola 600 at date at Charlotte Motor Speedway to have the current situation that we're talking about right now you are going to have Coca-Cola 600 the odds on favorite as it froze cuz of course it did we're live anything can happen folks Martin Truex Jr is the odds on favorite 4 to 1 odds to win the Coca-Cola 600 this makes sense. Martin Truex Jr. has won the Coke 600 multiple times. He is great at the track. Kyle Busch is 6-1 to one odds to win at Charlotte, to win the Coca-Cola 600. He has done it before. He won a couple of years ago. You're going to notice the theme here. Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Joy Logano, and Chase Elliott are all 11-1 to one odds to win the Coca-Cola 600. You're seeing some of the favorites here. 
You got Kevin Harvick. You got Brad Keselowski. You got Joy Logano. Those guys have run up front for a good amount of the year. Chase Elliott won the championship last year, has had a bit of a down year, but he won that race at, 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 in, at Circuit of the Americas, and he has now clinched himself into the playoffs. And the last one I want to get into, Alex Bowman and Ryan Blaney are 16-1 to odds to win at Charlotte. And the reason why I'm mentioning these odds is because we have noticed over the course of the season that the odds-on favorite does normally end up finishing near the front um, at the end of the day. Outside of Michael McDowell at Daytona, you have seen the odds-on favorite majority of the time end up near the top five, near the top ten at the end of the race results in NASCAR. But who are the long shots? Who are the long shots that could win this Sunday? Well, let's go down to 40 to 1 because Tyler Reddick from Richard Childress Racing, he has had speed. He has had pace. He has consistently gotten better at the mile and a half tracks. And if there was somebody that could win towards the back of the pack, it would be Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick showed a homestead. He has shown in the past that you give him a good enough car, he can run in the top five, top 10 for majority of the day. So my sleeper pick at 40 to one is Tyler Reddick. Watch out for him at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Hey, it's 600 miles. Anything can happen. I mean, we've seen in the past drivers like Casey Mears in 2007, uh, drivers like David Rudiman in 2009, picking up the win in the Coca-Cola 600 when they were nowhere near the odds on favorite to win on Sunday. So that is my sleeper pick at Tyler Reddick. I do want to give a quick shout out to Chris Busher at 125 to one. He has shown speed at Charlotte in the past. So watch out for him. So my prediction for the race, I'm actually going to go with a guy who is 17 to one. I'm actually going to go with someone who's lower on the odds sheet, but has been dominant at the mile and a half this season. I'm going to go with Kyle Larson as my prediction for the Coca-Cola 600. I believe he's going to pick up another win for Hendrick Motorsports at Charlotte Motor Speedway. I'm locking that in. That is my prediction for the Charlotte Motor Speedway Coca-Cola 600. This is the Sports Angle. I'm your host, Rocco Kelly. We are live Monday to Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. Follow us on social media at the Sports Angle and go to our website, thesportsangle.com. And follow your host, Rocco Rakelli, at Rocco Rakelli on social media. And this is Sports Angle. Until next time, rock on, and we will see you later. thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. 
There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it.